Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. You'll never leave this farm. Those were the five words that echoed around in my mind for days. The lady who said those words didn't actually realise at the time she said them that she was laying down a huge challenge for Jenny and I, one that God had actually already been putting on our hearts. And I think God actually used her reverse psychology uh, for for us and, and, you know, she she didn't realise, but she really, God used that. And after much soul-searching and prayer, uh, we applied for a Bible college, and some months later, we found ourselves packing our household, our worldly belongings into a garage uh, to leave what was safe in order that we could step into the unknown. Jesus said in Matthew 19.29, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my sake shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. Mark 10.29 and 30 says almost the same, but after the hundred times as much bit it adds but along with persecution. And we've found Mark's version of that promise to be very true. But God is faithful. And looking back, we can just see how amazing his plans were for us. And the reason I'm giving this intro is not to go yay us or whatever, but to to actually, um, or not to give any credit for that, that decision, but to explain how entangled, it's a big word, entangled I was in work. How I just kind of tried to fit God in. And, you know, God had to intervene. God had to intervene to free me from myself and to make me realize there was Life after farming. Do you feel trapped in any area this morning? Are you entangled or ensnared by anything in your life today? If yes, then clearly this message is for you and me both. So Paul uses the word entangle. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 4, it's the Greek word implego. It means to be entangled or ensnared by something. And in this case, the affairs of the world. And I've come to realize that my entanglement was actually similar to Timothy's. And last week we eventually saw in 2 Timothy 1, once I got the right reading, that Paul was strongly encouraging young Timothy to step up into his calling. 
I called that message Timely Tips for a Timid Timothy because Paul believed it was time for him to stand strong in his own right, to preach the true gospel and to take authority over those who are causing harm. And even from his prison cell, Paul detected that a lack of confidence had sidetracked Timothy. And as his mentor and father figure, it was up to him to put courage in to this young man, or back into this young man. And he calls him his beloved son in uh, 2 Timothy 1-2, and he reminds Timothy of his story, his whakapapa, in order to spur him on. And we talked about the power of our story because God will use that, good and bad, in order to build kingdom values into this lost world. You know, I, I don't know how you feel about your story, but it's your story, and God will use it powerfully if you yield it to him. So as we approach chapter 2 this week, uh, Paul builds on this fatherly advice that he's given already to Timothy by getting a little bit more emphatic about the true gospel of Christ Jesus our Lord, who he is willing to die for, and about the focus required to stay strong. So if you'd like to turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. For those who weren't here, we read 1 Timothy. Well, it was by mistake. Anyway, in 2 Timothy, chapter Chapter 2, 1 to 13, we read, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive as the uh, as as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not changed, or chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. As I 
As I meditated on these verses and on this passage, I became aware of a kind of irony here in these few verses. Here, Paul in chains, despite being innocent of any crime except to boldly preach Christ, is encouraging Timothy and no doubt the whole church in Ephesus and us to live free of chains or entanglement with civilian affairs because God's word is not chained. And this kind of got me thinking. And that's my message really today in a nutshell, that true freedom is only found when we are bound to Christ. I'll repeat that. True freedom is only found when we are bound to Christ. Amen? And it sounds so simple because it actually is. If we're bound or ensnared by anything but Christ, we've not yet really truly been set free. You see, freedom from the chains of sin is only possible through Christ. It's um, freedom from the chains of sin is only possible through Christ. It's free, but it comes at a high price, the blood of Jesus. And anyone who thinks they can or are good enough, can be or are good enough, and they're a good person, and that they can find true freedom outside of Christ is really saying that Christ died for nothing. The gospel of Christ Paul was willing to die for while still in chains was a gospel of freedom from the chains of sin. And he fears that Timothy, who's free physically, is getting entangled and distracted by lesser things. Hence this pastoral letter. So let's just unpack the two key points to being free in this chapter, because I believe it holds some real gems for us today. So first of all, we begin in verse 1. I'm, I'm, I've actually read from the NIV today. Be strong in the grace. Verse 1, be strong in the grace, and he goes on. But Paul begins with the true source of spiritual power, grace. You see, the unmerited favor and the spiritual enabling of grace are both gifts of God for ministry. You see, God's grace flows through Scripture from beginning to end, from cover to cover, because it's God's nature to give. He firstly gives us what we don't deserve. But it's also His nature to be fair and to do everything right. And I think we need to remember the balance because it's not fair for sin to go unpunished. And it's not right to allow sin into heaven. 
So he came up with a plan to, re- to remain consistent with his character and his nature because God is holy and God is love. And he called his plan of salvation the gospel because gospel means good news. It's good news because he came in person to pay the sacrifice for sin that each one of us should have actually been made to pay. He paid the price for sin in blood, but it had to be perfect blood. So Jesus, who knew no sin, was the only one who qualified to pay it on behalf of us all. So this is the primary meaning of grace, undeserved favor. Is anybody excited about this? Yes. (laughs) I got one amen. That's great. This is the gospel. This is the gospel Paul was prepared to die for. But it doesn't end with undeserved favor. It's very much part of the gospel. But there's another meaning found within this word grace. It also means enabling power. And this gift called grace or charis in the Greek is a twofold blessing. It means undeserved favor or mercy, but it also means power and equipping for service. It's almost an insult to receive one without the other. See, many are happy to receive the favor, but they fall short of receiving power to serve. You know, the very last verse of the Bible reads, The grace or in brackets, enabling power, of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And that follows Jesus having just said, I am coming soon. So clearly his word is to give both the incentive and the enabling power to get the job done here in this life. Amen. So in verse 1, Paul's use of the word grace is the enabling power meaning. He says to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, we can be strong in our convictions. We can be strong in our methods or our strategies. We can be sincere But we can also be sincerely wrong. It's when we're strong in the grace of Jesus that we are powerful, effective, and teachable. See, Paul goes on to say, be strong in the things I've said in front of others. And we're not quite sure who these others are in verse 2. Even the scholars can't quite work it out. But the point is, Paul is saying that our message should be available and helpful to all. I once heard it said, if you can't preach your message anywhere in the world, it's not the true gospel. 
Paul is also saying there are no lone rangers in the kingdom. Share the load. Get some guys or girls around you if you're a girl and get, get these guys around you that you trust and train them up. Share the load. Jenny's, uh, I think it's like a second cousin. Um, we just call her a cousin. Her name is Kim. She went at the God's calling to a, a, a little one-room office in the middle of Jakarta in the Philippines to revamp a mission office that had been abandoned. And she almost single-handedly rebuilt a mission that's now reaching many, many thousands of people called Commission to Go. Um, we will probably talk about that another day and give you some more info on it, but um, we're hoping Kim will come and speak here at some stage. But she has taken the gospel to tiny little villages where it's like three hours on a bus, then two hours on a bike, and then walking across crocodile-infested rivers on little tiny boards until they get to a little hut and they've led people to the Lord in these villages in Burma who have never heard the gospel before. You know, we're so blessed, aren't we, to have heard this message um, many times. But she has to be strong in the grace to keep going. Almost the only white person there She's trained up young pastors. She's trained up evangelists. They see people get healed. They're seeing people come to the Lord in a Muslim country. Muslim in, in inverted commas. Technically, it's actually growing more and more people coming to Jesus. This, the official stats are way out. So we've got to be strong in the grace wherever God calls us to go. Number two, stay focused. Verse three to five. We read the next key for Timothy to go the distance in ministry is to keep focused. He is to stay focused and to back up his point. Paul uses three EGs of daily employment that require focus. And first, the soldier. The soldier on a mission. He doesn't stop off and do his own thing when his orders are clearly set out. Right, Stefan? Yeah. I like the message version, which says a soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. <laughs> you see, Paul isn't suggesting um, here that it is wrong to be in business because he actually ran his own tent-making operation to support himself in ministry. Nor is he saying that the calling to full-time ministry has different rules to those in secular work. In a sense, we are all, all y'all are in full-time ministry. <laughs> there, may, <laughs> there may be a difference. There may be a difference in the uh, 
and the available hours to serve the gospel, but the focus on it should be the reason why we go to work and why we work hard and why we're a good witness and why we are salt and light. For many of us, the people at our work are our mission. Right where we've been planted. The second example of a focused employee is the athlete who only wins fair and square if he or she plays by the rules. Again, Paul is referring to this focus. Focus. We know that our athletes who stand on the podium are just having a moment that represents years of focus. And um, so he is saying here that focus is required to take the gold. You see, the honour of winning fairly and squarely is actually worth far more than the medal itself. I remember hearing the story of a top-ranked tennis player, and this is many, many years ago in Sunday school, and he was at the top of his game, and he came down, he came to find himself in, the, in, a, in a World Series. And to win this would have been putting him at the top of his game, this Christian guy who'd reached a World Final. He was in the final. It came down to the match point. The opposing player lobbed a really long shot. He swung at it but drew back, realizing it was too long. The ball ever so slightly brushed the very end of his racket and went out. No one else would have known but him. It was long before there were any action replay movies, you know, replay clips for the judge. To everyone else, he had missed the ball and won the match and the series. But he knew that God saw. And he owned up that he had lost the point and the match. He knew that God's word is not chained. But his conscience would be chained forever if he had won by not following the rules. Finally, there's the hard-working farmer. Yay! Again, it's focus. It's attention to detail and timing that yields the better crop and creates a surplus for others. And in all these examples, Paul is saying, don't get sidetracked or entangled by the small stuff of life. You know the saying, don't sweat the small stuff. The key word is entanglement, which also means to be ensnared. To be ensnared is like being chained by the thing we give the most of our focus and our desire to. If it's not the Lord. You know, the Lord has no problem with trading or winning 
or growing, providing he is our focus and our one true desire. We need to be free of the entanglement of the world's ways, especially if we're tempted to compromise our faith, if the gospel of grace is to prosper. Our oldest son, Craig, <clears throat> worked for a producer who had just had to fire a cable puller. Now, a cable puller is the cameraman's assistant at fast-moving filming jobs like sports matches. He runs behind the cameraman on the sideline of big games. His one job is to ensure that the camera always has slack lead and not too much slack. <laughs> but halfway through a very, very exciting game, the young man took his eyes off the cameraman to watch the action on the field for just a moment. And you've guessed it, just long enough to miss that his boss had started to run forward and... Uh, Suddenly, a $20,000 camera is broken into pieces on the ground. I'm just letting you have a moment to imagine the scene. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, I can picture it. <laughs> the point is, his moment of distraction from his one task cost him his job and the whole country watching at home. Well, at least one camera angle anyway. <laughs> the word of God is not chained. It will never change, become dull, or out, get out of date. But we're going to do more on that next time, next week perhaps, about the word of God. But while Paul is chained, he's in a prison. Maybe it's even a halfway house, we, th we thought, but uh, not, the, not the, the real yucky one, but he was chained. He is able to encourage a young man who is not chained. Isn't that amazing? How would you feel in that dark place? with a candle perhaps and a feather and a piece of paper to write to a young man who's not chained. He writes to this young man with the unchained word of God. The invisible chains in our life are actually the hardest to break. Amen. Guilt. Doubt, fear, deception, lies, shameful memories, wrong relationships, lust, entanglements. They're entanglements. They're, they're entanglements. The list goes on. So just to wrap this up, the word of God is not chained. Paul knows a thing or two about a young man's struggles from his own past. His history could easily have taken him out. But God was able to use it to bring him great glory by the grace found only in Christ.
God was able to use Paul, who was previously Saul, who persecuted Christians. And Paul's able to say in verse 9 and 10, but God's word is not changed, therefore I endure all things. See, it's worth it. It's worth it. What are your chains today? Do you want them unchained? Do you want them untangled? It's a process. You may be one of those miracle ones that have a one-off event, but for me, it's been a process. It's not just a once It's a lifestyle of being unchained and un- unencumbered. You know, we felt God lead us back to return to the business. We prayed, and it seemed the right timing in 2000. But never in the same way. We didn't want to be just fitting God into the cracks, you know. So let's begin the process of breaking stuff off our lives today. So be strong. Be strong in the enabling power of grace and stay clear of entanglements. I'm just going to finish by reading verse 11 to 13 again. Here's a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, that means we keep going until he says stop. We will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Would you just join with me in prayer now? Let's just um, take a moment. We just want to allow the Holy Spirit to just touch anything that might be an entanglement. God, we pray. God, come. Come in this moment, Lord. Place your divine finger on anything, Lord. We are to to give up, to take our hands off, to just release today. That we would be strong in the enabling power of grace. to focus on this gospel that is worth dying for. God, we want to be focused on the main thing. And we want to make the main thing the main thing and not get entangled by chains of distraction. Lord, we just want to continue to seek to balance this call of God with the potential of entanglements in our busy lives, Lord. We just pray, oh God, that you would make a way, make a way through the maze, Lord. Show us how clearly we are to reach those around us, maybe by that listening ear, maybe by that 
act of kindness, but Lord, maybe by opening our mouths and saying the gospel clearly to our friends. In Jesus' name, help us, help us, help us, Holy Spirit, to break those things off our lives today. We just break them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at Huntley Baptist.